The text for the message is 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 through verse 9. So if you would read along in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9 says, or excuse me, verse 1 says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be to you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to, be, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together if you would. Father, I ask your blessing on this message. I ask your blessing on this text. Let us have open hearts and open ears this morning to receive the strength that you would give us and the guidance through this time, Lord. And give me grace to say what is needed and nothing more. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, anybody going stir-crazy yet? You're probably tired of being at home and, and wishing this was all over and we could go back to the way things were. Well, somewhat at least. I don't think things are ever going to be quite the same. Um, but we're ready for it to be over. Probably that's the hardest part of all of this, the, the staying home. Everything's closed up. You can't go out to eat. You can't go uh, to the mall. You can't even go to the parks anymore. Our whole way of life has changed. Some people have lost jobs and more are probably going to follow suit. And now you have to stay at home and think and think and think. And maybe you walk from room to room. Maybe you go out on the patio, but you're always thinking. How do we handle all of that? How do we handle the isolation and the fear that is being forced on us? You know, there might be some who are scared of getting sick. And there's probably many more who are sick of getting scared. That can take a toll on us, and it has taken a toll on some. Listen, how, how do we as Christians handle that? Do we do what everybody else is doing? Do we sit and pour over Facebook endlessly? Reading and taking for truth every post about somebody who knows somebody who knows what they're talking about and everybody's just going to die, die, die. I mean, it's everywhere in the air. Don't breathe, for goodness sake. How could you breathe and infect everyone? Do we find ourselves endlessly consuming the fear-producing media whose numbers, by the way, never add up? 
So much so that you find yourself hating those who go outside and you call them killers. Or churches who continue to meet their dens of death. And I've seen that post with my own eyes. You find yourself stockpiling anything you can get your hands on and sitting by a window with binoculars looking for those who might violate the stay-at-home order. Excuse me, I'd like to report some people who are actually living. If you're not careful, that is exactly where you will be. If you focus on the wrong things. We as Christians are to be a light in the darkness. We are to be shining brightly in the darkness no matter what the circumstance may be. Not joining in. May I remind you, as we've spoken a lot about the past few weeks, we are not a people of fear. We are a people of peace and of faith and of prayer. We are not someone who is consumed by fear, but rather we are consumed by the peace that Christ gives us. And so what I would like to do for the next few weeks is give you some reminders and some guidance on where our focus needs to be as we find ourselves in this situation. Because in this, you have an opportunity to grow deeper in your faith. So that we can come out of this stronger, brighter. So I'd like this morning to consider some things in this passage, and I pray that it's going to be a blessing to you. The title of today's message is Growing with God in the Trial. Growing with God in the Trial. And there's just a couple things I'd like you to notice here at the start. Peter, of course, we know is writing this, and we could talk much about his journey, but he is somebody who has known failure and known restoration. He knows what it's like to slip up, and he knows the grace of God in repentance and in, in uh, restoration in that. And he's writing uh, to some very special people. Verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers, strangers, let me remind you, Christian, this world is not your home. This world is not our home. We are strangers here. We are pilgrims here. In fact, we're on a journey to our home. And just maybe you got too comfortable here. And now everything is out of place. We're all out of sorts because everything was out of place to begin with, if you understand Maybe our priorities were wrong. Maybe our priorities were misplaced. C.S. Lewis says this, Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Times like these are a good perspective check. We spoke about that last week and maybe this is a wake-up call for us to rearrange some priorities that have been in the wrong place. When you put all of your stock into whether your job or, or comfort or, or all of these things that have been disrupted, it can take away your very foundation unless you are standing firm on the foundation of Christ and everything else is built on that. Now, we are strangers here, pilgrims here. Peter reminds them of that. For these Christians, their whole life was in danger. And he reminds them, hey, this isn't your home. 
In verse 2, he tells who he's writing to. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That word elect means chosen ones. He's writing to the disciples, the ones whom he has chosen. He tells his own disciples in the, in the Gospels that I have chosen you out of the world. These are those who are following Christ in faith. Those that have committed their lives to Him. I believe unequivocally that is His church. And this is a letter written to churches who are scattered all across the landscape. A general letter that would be passed out to give encouragement to each body. And right off the bat, He wishes them something. You see that last phrase in the end of verse 2? Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. That's what we need right now. More grace and more peace. You don't need more toilet paper. You don't need more hand sanitizer. You don't need more disinfectant wipes. You need, I need, more grace and more peace. And I believe what we will focus on, not only today, but in the coming weeks, will help with that. It will help to impart grace to our hearts and peace to our hearts. So for this morning, let's consider how we can grow closer to God in this trial. The first point for this morning I'd like you to notice is that we should be reminded of our hope. Let's be reminded of our hope. And notice that in verse 3. Verse 3, Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you see right off what Peter starts with? He's writing to the churches that are right in the midst of a hard time and in fact are in fear for their lives. And you notice what he starts with? He doesn't say, hey, I'm sorry. He doesn't even start with instructions. He barely finishes the intro. Boom, right into praise. Praise. Praise God for who He is. Praise God for His gracious, wonderful mercy and how wonderful He is. Praise. How are you doing with that lately? How are you doing with praise? What's playing on the radio or cell phone or TV? Is it your daily dose of death and destruction updates? Or is it hymns? A praise song? Listen, never stop praising God. Never stop. Because in that praise, and as you lift your voice or you lift your heart in praise, something's going to happen. You will be reminded of, of how good He is to you. As you sing of salvation, of, as you sing about the wonderful peace, as you sing how He will hold you fast, your heart will be lifted and you will be reminded of how good God has been to you. You will be reminded of how abundant His mercy is. That's what he says, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, His abundant mercy, His overabounding mercy, judgment is receiving what we deserve. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. And if you look around in your life, you can say with me, Oh, God is so merciful to me. 
You don't deserve his goodness. I don't deserve his goodness. But yet, he has poured it out to us, has he not? Look around at your families, at your children, at your spouses, at the love that you have experienced, at the joy that you have experienced. It's all the goodness of God in your lives. God has been so good and God has been so merciful in so many ways. But nowhere, listen, nowhere is that greater than the cross. Nowhere is God's love and God's mercy clearer and more distinct for you than in the cross. Nowhere is God's mercy greater than in Jesus. Because through Jesus and by the mercy of God, we have hope. And it is not a hope of of wishing something would come to pass. No, that's not what this biblical word means. It means assurance. A steadfast assurance that we have. One that is fact. One that we know to be true. And God, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Lively. I love that word He uses here. Some of your translations may say living, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's talking about being alive and vibrant. A hope that is lively, that is alive. Listen, You want a good example? Notice your kids at this time. Are they all depressed and scared? Mommy, I cannot go outside and play. I don't have a mask. No, they're probably bouncing off the walls. And as soon as they get outside, they're running around in circles and doing God knows what. Like nothing is happening. In fact, they're only scared if you tell them to be. They are alive and they are vibrant regardless of the situation. That hope that we have in Christ is that way. It is alive, it is vibrant regardless of what may be happening on the outside. And listen, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have that hope. You have that blessed assurance within you. The hope that comes with salvation. This hope that comes with the new birth that Christ gives to us by faith. Because it brings us the eternal promise and the eternal assurance of heaven. When I pass from this life, I open my eyes in the presence of my Savior. Nothing else can touch that. Nothing else can diminish that. That is this living hope that is within me. And if you know Christ as Savior, it is within you too. A hope that every child of God who has trusted Christ in faith, has within them. I would simply ask this morning, do you have that hope? Are you saved? Have you trusted in Christ for forgiveness of your sin? And have you been given the hope of eternal life? If you haven't, you can. You see, you don't have to be inside these walls this morning. Even as you listen online or or watch online, or whatever way you may come across this, you can be saved right where you're at, right now, today. And you too can have this eternal living hope. You know, it's interesting to see how people are relating to God or or reacting to God, however you want to say it in this time. There's a whole lot of people thinking of Him when they haven't before. 
turning to him for strength or peace or whatever it may be. And maybe they haven't thought about him in a long time. There's many people praying like they never have before. But you've got to know this too. Some people are blaming him. Some people are questioning him or questioning his servants who, who are holding to him. You know, we say things like God has a plan and God is all-powerful and, and all things are in God's control. They question that. Really? How can God do this? People are dying. What is God, asleep on the job? Or how can you say a God who is so good allow people to die? How can this happen to people who are good? Well, if I may, to that, let me just say this. How come everyone isn't dead? Because we should be. Listen, the Bible makes this clear. There are no good people. None of us are good. We're sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us expressly that the wages of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. We hate, we lie, we steal, we kill. We worship ourselves rather than God. We blaspheme. And we deserve swift and final judgment, but yet He stays His hand. He allows those who would to stand up and and question Him, to bring accusations against the Creator of all things. And yet at the same time, He allows those same people to experience joy and love and family. And yes, I know there are people who have died, not only just from this, but from crime, from disease, from cancer, from a hundred other different ways. That's the effect of sin on the world. This world is fallen, and sin has brought destruction. And people die. Even in this, own, uh, this pandemic, our own nation, the, or excuse me, the whole world is facing, people have died. Yes, I understand that. And it's not millions. It's not hundreds of thousands. The last time I had checked, it was around 65,000 globally out of the population in the billions. 8,500 in the U.S. and here in our own state of California, 319. It's terrible and it's sad and my heart breaks for those who have lost loved ones. But listen, hundreds of thousands more have recovered. That is grace. That is mercy. That is mercy for a world that has turned their back on God. Mercy that He has shown to you and mercy that He offers for you. Listen, you know your own sin as I know my own sin. We all know where we fall short. And that sin separates us from God, all of us. No one is born righteous. We are born sinners. And the only difference between a child of God and one who is not a child of God is that we have bowed to that mercy and we have asked forgiveness from Jesus. And that same mercy that we know for ourselves is for everyone. 
Nowhere does God express His love greater for you even if you hate Him. Even if you hate Him and you can't stand the mention of His name. Nowhere does God express His love for you greater than the cross. He has provided the way that you can be reconciled to Him, that you can be forgiven of your sin, the way that we can have victory over death, and that way is Jesus. Through Jesus, we can be given assurance of eternal peace and eternal joy and life. I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say say it a hundred thousand more until this breath is taken from my body. Jesus came to save you to die for your sin and to give you eternal life. He took your place and gave His life in place for your sin so that you might live. If you would trust it. If you would turn to Him and ask forgiveness of sin and be saved. Be born again to that living hope because we have a living Savior which we'll talk about next week you too can have the assurance that you will spend eternity with Him if you would place your faith in Christ. And I pray that you do. I pray that you do. So many people fear death. Just walk around in the stores and you'll see the masks and the gloves and the shields and the distance and all of that. All of that is born out of a fear from dying. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you should fear death. Because only judgment waits. Separation from God in eternal hell. And for one reason, our sin. But that can be forgiven. The judgment can be removed if we would believe in Jesus. And you can today. If you don't know Him as Savior, oh, I pray that you would bow before Him. Believe that He died for you and that He will save you. And you too can have this hope. And the fear of death is removed. Because it's just the way home. Oh, be reminded of that hope that God has given you. And be reminded of this in verse 4. Look with me. He has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me just say that proves everything. We serve a living Savior. One who is alive and and waiting to come to get us again. Verse 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You understand that? Nothing can touch that. That inheritance, that hope can't be infected. No, it's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. I love that phrase. It's waiting for you. There's a place in heaven with my name that no one else can take, and it's reserved for me by Jesus. In fact, he says this in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, listen, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's waiting for me. That is our hope, church. That He is coming again for us to take us home. And can I just ask you something? When is the last time you let your mind be consumed with that? 
There's a place for me in heaven. And Jesus is preparing that place. And he's coming again to take me home. (laughs) You can rattle off the what ifs about COVID-19. You can tell me the stats and you can tell me the latest news. Can you tell me about heaven and what it's like? Can you tell me about your living hope? When's the last time you read about heaven? I'm willing to bet you probably spent close to a couple hours, maybe even in just a couple days, reading the articles and the what ifs and listening to the podcasts and blah, blah, blah about what's going on. When's the last time you read about heaven? When's the last time you opened your Bible to Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22 and you read and you sat and you thought about it? What's it going to be like? Maybe wrote down how you felt. Maybe shared it with your spouse or with your family and gathered your kids around and say, listen, let me read to you from God's word what heaven's going to be like. What will it be like? I mean, Think of all the things in your your life, the joy and the love and the family and the relationships that you have. And when we're together as a church and we're all singing and our hearts are lifted up, have you considered that on a whole other level? Everything good that God has made in this world that is not a result of sin on a whole other level for eternity. To finally be with Jesus. To see Him face to face and the perfect peace and joy and love and no more death and no more sorrow and no more tears and no more curse. What will that be like? When's the last time you focused on that? Because that is your living hope. When's the last time you focused on that instead of statistics or possibilities or this number or that number? And when's the last time you looked around and those in your life that need that same hope too? And instead of viewing them as infected and contaminated and to be avoided at all costs, how about you tell them about that hope that they need? Oh, beloved, be reminded of the hope that you have this morning. So let's move on and do so quickly. I guess, to be honest, I really don't have to hurry. What else are you going to do? What are you going to scroll down three posts to see the latest fear-producing stat? Or play I Spy? Trust me, you've got time to listen. It's the last phrase in verse 4 that leads me to the next thought. Reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. So not only let's, be, not, let's not only be reminded of the hope that we have, but secondly, let's realize We are kept. Realize that you are kept. Verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God. Maybe you want to underline that in your Bibles. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. I want you to notice in verse 6, he says, Wherein we greatly rejoice. What are we we rejoicing in? We're rejoicing in that hope that waits. 
that final deliverance when it's all over and we've come through it all and we're home with Christ, that hope that lives within us, we are rejoicing in that. And it is one that is vibrant regardless of external circumstance. And it is vibrant within us because of faith. Because of faith. Faith is so vital. It's the connection between the truth of God's Word and our own hearts. The faith that we have, we are saved by faith in Christ. And we are kept by the power of God through faith. Listen, we are in a season of trial. Make no mistake, it's not anywhere near what these brethren were facing, but it's still a test of our faith. In this, when things are upside down right now and we don't really know how things are going to end up, are you still trusting Him? Are you worshiping Him through it all? Is your heart steadfast on the rock of Christ? Are you fully relying on Him to get you through? Or are you doubting? Are you wondering if He has lost control and have no real confidence in tomorrow? I would simply admonish you to stay strong in your faith. We serve a big God. Most of your prayers have probably centered around health and finance and provision, and that's fine and well, but man, think on a bigger scale. God is so much bigger than that. He's bigger than just keeping our jobs or keeping us healthy. He is the creator of all things who holds all things in His hands. He is able to stop this with simply a thought. Do you believe that? He is able to write all of this, able to use this to turn hearts to Him. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Above and beyond anything we can imagine. Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that this morning? Now listen. When the doubts and fears come and when the thoughts rattle around in your head like a marble in an empty glass, be reminded of the hope. Be reminded that that is reserved for you and realize this, you are kept by God for that. There is an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away and you are, it is reserved for you and you are kept by God for that. Notice again verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The one who holds all things holds you. He will keep you. He will guard you. Protect you. He will see you through this. And it will be by faith as you trust Him. Faith that leads to our deliverance. Maybe perhaps in this time that you have, you should meditate on that. To sit and think about that. God will keep me. God will hold me fast. In fact, look how He has so far. You know, someday soon we're going to look back on this. And you're going to see firsthand how He provided just as you have in trials in the past. Maybe you faced some hard times and you came through some hard times. And you, you came through those and you look back and you saw, yeah, that was God. It's going to be the same with this. 
And you know what? Trials have a way of showing us the greatness of God like no other time. We look back and we are amazed at His provision and His protection. And it will be the same with this. So right here and right now, have faith. You are kept by the power of God. And that is so precious. That's what he says. Greatly rejoice in all that God is doing, though even if now it's, it's heavy and we're going through different trials. Realize in verse 7 that the trial of your faith is so much more precious than gold. Why? Because it gives you right perspective. And though it be tried with fire, it's going to be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Faith, when it is tried, is worth much more than anything we can ever have. More than money or anything else this world can give. Uh, this world can give. Why? Because it shows us the power of God. The hard times in my life, including this one, prove without a doubt how much God loves me. How merciful He is. How good He is. And you know what that does? That builds your faith. That strengthens your faith. It gives you the faith you need to make it through times like these. God wants our faith. God keeps us through our faith. In fact, He's pleased with us when we rely on Him. When Christ comes, when He comes to call me home, I want to be found to praise and honor and glory. I want my faith to be that strong. You know, there's many things I'm looking forward to in heaven. Peace and joy and seeing loved ones and all that goes with it. But there's one thing, at least in my own heart, that far surpasses all. There's one thing I live my life to hear. This. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear from my Savior. So the question is, do I have faith now? Do you? Stay strong and faithful to Him. It is worth it. So let's be reminded of our hope. Let's realize we are kept. And lastly, for this morning, how about you reignite your love for Jesus? You reignite your love for Jesus. Notice in verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Listen, the more that you consider all He's done, the more you consider what waits, the more you see and realize His guiding hand in your life. Not only is your hope made more vibrant, not only is your faith made stronger, but you love Jesus more. You love Jesus more. <laughs> Think about this. We live our life for somebody we've never seen. But yet he's the most real person in our lives. We've never heard his voice, but we talk to him all the time. We've never held his hand, but we feel his touch all over our lives and in our hearts. We don't see him. Oh, but we love him. We believe, and that belief and that assurance of Jesus brings us joy unspeakable. You know, there's many things I as a pastor find hard to put into words. And one of those is describing the depth of the love that we can have for Christ. The depth of His goodness, the depth of His 
His, His mercy and His grace to us. Peter puts it perfectly. Joy unspeakable. And what? Full of glory. Oh, life is full of glory. Even in this hard times, it's full of glory because we believe and we love Jesus. Waiting to see Him. Waiting to finally see Him with our own eyes and to to finally hear Him with our own ears and to, to finally be with Him when our faith is made sight and we are fully and finally delivered. That's what verse 9 is talking about. Receiving the end of your faith. We've been walking in faith for this moment when we can see Christ. When we can be with Him. The salvation of your souls. The total deliverance of your life. That's our hope. And that's the hope that sustains us through this hard time. Knowing He is with us, knowing He is coming for us, and all of it is centered around Jesus. So maybe it's time you fall in love with Him more. Maybe it's time you spend time with Him, learning about Him and how much He loves you. And the more you do, the more that you will love Him. There's an old song that I hope you can say is true of your own heart. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. So how about we take some time to grow in all of this? Chances are, before this happened, maybe... Maybe you didn't think that much about heaven or you didn't think much about how God was keeping you or maybe your love for Jesus had grown a little cold. Maybe you thought about it on a Sunday. But throughout the week, maybe not. Maybe you thought about it when things got difficult, when you got in a jam and you wanted Him to get you out. But probably not like we should have, right? Maybe some other things have gotten in the way of your love for Him. And you found your heart taken with other things. Maybe you loved money more real and more vibrant than you loved Jesus. Maybe you loved your health or comfort or fill in the blank with a hundred other different things more vibrantly and more real than you love Jesus. We drifted away, and with that, so did our joy. When's the last time you could say your life was full of joy unspeakable? That your life was full of glory, of the hope that waits for us? Well, listen, now you have a chance. Now you have a chance to grow in your relationship with Him. So I would would urge you, open the Word and spend time with Him. Gather your families around the Scripture and read it and and let it speak to you, whether it be the last two chapters of the Bible and talking about heaven or reading through the Psalms and see all the different ways that the people would cry out to Him in times of trouble or the praise that it lifts up or reading the Gospels about the wonderful person of Christ and how much He loves you and all that He's done or reading the letters of the New Testament that give us instruction and hope for living. Whatever it may be, open the Word and spend time in that. And meditate on that. Not the news. Turn that crap off and spend time with God. There's a quote I could be known for, I guess. Turn off the news. Put down Facebook. 
although I do appreciate you're watching it now. And spend time with God, thinking about meditating on the hope that He has given you and of how He keeps you. Maybe it's time you think deeply about your relationship with God and your relationship with Jesus. And again, I would ask the question, is He your Savior? And do you have that living hope within you? That realization that He is keeping you in the wonderful love of Jesus? If not, then now is the time to make that right. I pray that you would turn to Him and trust Him. He loves you and He wants to save you if you would simply trust Him. And is all of what we've said today real to you? In the theme of real Christianity, real The hope that is in you, is it real? And the power of God keeping you, is it real? And your love for Jesus, is it real? Real even if you lose more? Real even if you get sick? Is that hope within you alive? That hope that nothing can touch, no no circumstance or situation. And are you living that out? Let me close with this. There is an opportunity, church, to come out of this stronger to come out ready to give the world the hope it so desperately needs and to be ready to be ready to be a spotlight of the gospel to this community and beyond. That depends on how you use this time. Use it to grow with God in this trial. Let me close with a quick word of prayer and then a couple ending comments. So I ask that you would stick with me. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your great mercy and your great hope that you have given us, Lord, through salvation which we have in Christ. I thank you for the the power that you keep us with as we place our faith in you and the guiding and the guarding that you give us, Lord. I pray that you would help each of our hearts to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus, deeper and deeper in love with you, Lord. And help us to use this time to grow closer to you. I ask your blessing on each one who is listening. And may this do the work that only you can do. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.